Hi, I'm Kate Gregory, the Batty Historian for the State Library of Western Australia. Welcome to WA Stories, our new podcast channel. The mission of the library is to collect, preserve and share our history. Through these podcasts, we hope to unearth tales of WA's past and present. On the Frontline, Rare Women of the West is the second of three podcasts produced by Gina Pickering. This episode is recorded on Noongar Wajak Budja. Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people are advised that this episode includes discussion of Aboriginal history and the names of deceased persons. Hi, this is Gina Pickering. I've been telling stories about Western Australia since the 1980s. Over the last 20 years, these yarns have focused on the exceptional cultural aspects of the Southwest, Noongar country. In this podcast series, I'll explore three surprising stories through the voices of Aboriginal elders, artists, curators and historians and how the State Library of Western Australia is responding to the cultural demands of change in our time. 2021 has delivered some unexpected and shocking stories. Revelations over the treatment of women and in the highest offices of the land have caused public outrage. Women took to the streets in every capital city. Brittany Higgins was heard. Australian of the Year Grace Tame was heard. Cracks appeared in the national narrative and new disturbing truths emerged. It's not the first time women have defined the political landscape. When colonisation swept into the Swan River colony, the women were on the front line. The difference in the experience between the invader settlers who arrived from Britain and the experiences of the Aboriginal peoples who were already living here are fundamentally different. Uh, These women come from very different places and contexts and have very different experiences about how they can Uh, live in the colony, live the lives they want to live and conduct the activities they would like to live in this region. Hi, I'm Susan Broomhall, Professor of History at the Australian Catholic University. We're in the preservation lab of the State Library and there's always interesting work going on here. Lots of different equipment, lots of different types of paper, Japanese tissue paper, lots of different brushes, lots of conservation gear that our wonderful conservators use to make sure that our collection materials stays safe (laughs) for many hundreds of years. My name is Kate Gregory and I am the Batty Historian at the State Library of Western Australia. So it's very exciting always to see the wonderful Marianne Friend journal and, and here it is. So this beautiful, leather-bound, quite hefty book with kind of gold-embossed edges of the pages. And opening it up, there's some beautiful marble paper 
in the in the kind of front the front of it and then pretty quickly we get into the writing of Marianne Friend she was so neat her writing is so um, perfect really quite legible this is the voyage that left Portsmouth on August the 14th 1829 and she starts her account this is her travel account her husband, of course, was Matthew Curling Friend, the captain of the Wanstead, and they're on board the ship, the Wanstead, on voyage to the Swan River Colony. And so we've got these wonderful um, pages, um, account day-by-day accounts of, of what she was seeing, the places that they were going, the people on board. It's, it's quite um, a beautiful account, really, and it's obviously a female perspective, which is always really interesting. Sunday, January 31st, 1830. It is very true the country is beautifully undulating and thinly wooded, but alas, the soil is nothing but sand. I was much disappointed with the appearance of the Swan River. The entrance is extremely narrow, the country low and sandy. The chief town is situated 16 miles up the river, and there is already a passage boat plying from it to the mouth of the river. You can otherwise hire boats, but the charges are enormous. For one trip to a ship and back with luggage, they charge four pounds, four shillings. It's just a beautiful document, and I think, um, you know, not only was she a wonderful writer and sort of diarist, she was also a fabulous artist. She has produced some wonderful watercolours, watercolour paintings. This is one of the very earliest views that we have um, of Bathers Beach in Fremantle. The women that we're talking about here, women such as Marianne Friend, uh, Jane Curry and Jane King, all of whom arrive in the colony in the first 10 years or so, these women are well-educated, middle-class women. They are all connected to the colonial settler elite that is founded in the Swan River colony. This is Professor Sue Broomhall, historian at the Australian Catholic University. They show us something more of the lived experience of tent life, um, a a more disruptive, a more uh, flexible and perhaps less organised idea of what life was like than the colonial records of maps and plotted charts that give a sense of order that perhaps wasn't the reality on the ground. They're very rich sources of information, these images, because you can get a lot of information about the, the topography of the place, you know, the nature of the dwellings that they were living in, and then she describes it as well. Saturday, January 30th, 1830. The town of Fremantle strongly resembles a country fair and has a pretty appearance. The pretty white tents looking much like booths. At present, there are not above five or six houses. It is situated at the entrance to the Swan. The bar never has more than four feet of water over it and at times is impassable. Every morning there is a strong land breeze and at evening a sea breeze, at which time it is impossible to go in the opposite direction. 
So really significant materials like the Freycinet collection and the Marianne Friend diary are very hard to get hold of. They're very rare for a start. They're of world significance and they come up often through auction, which can be a very challenging process to, you know, work your way through. I think the thing about Marianne Friend was that her view of the Swan River Colony really shattered the utopian kind of view that was being presented in the papers in, in London and in, in the UK. You know, her view was suddenly, you know, the, the realistic sandy shores, the you know, the desperate conditions that people were living in, the strangeness of the environment, you know, the encounters with Noongar people. It, it, it's a really important document for those eyewitness accounts. So we can contrast the experience of women like Marianne Friend, Jane Curry and Jane King with that of Fanny Balbuck, who was a very prominent Wajak Noongar woman who lived in Perth, was born around 1840, just as the colony is really being established. So in some ways, her entire life experience, she lives for 67 years, is mapping the colonial history of the region and progressive acts of dispossession of Aboriginal land and a denial of Aboriginal culture. So she is living through a period in which Aboriginal people in the region are becoming increasingly powerless. And she is a very prominent figure in trying to maintain her cultural practices on this landscape, which is being increasingly marked by colonial signs and symbols, including new streets, new landscapes, new environments, and new rules that govern how she can live in this environment. So it's a very strikingly different experience of the same time period as the European women who are coming out as settlers. For me, Fanny Baalbeck used to be a picture in a book. And I used to read about her and think, oh yeah, you know, um, um, she's just someone that Daisy Bates wrote about in her book. My name is Marie Taylor and I am a Wajak Baladong Ewart Noongar elder. And then I was invited to assist with looking at her history and turning it into a book. And it made me realise that here is a lady who I can stand up and show my respect to. Because this woman in the past, she stood up and she confronted people over her land, over her home, over the Noongar sites that were being washed away and burnt away and covered up and she would show her anger. And I think that um, when we looked at her on the whole, we saw this young woman as she would have been when um, the non-Aboriginal people came on boats to her country and started to take over the land. It would have been a real shock for her because she was so used to walking and running through the bush and, and knowing where she had to go. And the thing that I want to highlight about her was her knowledge of her Aboriginal culture.
traditions, her way of life, how they did things. We're looking at somebody who has left her mark on the country. The view of Fanny Baalbuck and Marianne Friend as really significant early women in the landscape of the Swan River Colony is a rare one. It's often that the sort of male perspectives on the society and culture are more prominent in collections often. So to be able to kind of collect the view of women is, is really, really important. A picture paints a thousand words. And, and I think when you walk into the library and you see this very strong Aboriginal woman looking at you, she had a way of, of, of looking that caught your attention. The State Library has some wonderful images on display in the ground floor, just at the lifts where people kind of enter the State Library building to go up to, you know, the first, second or third floor in the Batty Library. And these images are pictures of a group of Aboriginal Noongar women, Wajak Noongar women, taken at Perth Zoo in about 1903 and included in the group of women is a really significant Fanny Baalbuck, who was a very powerful, strong Noongar woman who really asserted her rights, I suppose, to property and land at the point in which there were more and more houses being built. And we, we came across this image in our collection and thought that it would be a really powerful kind of statement to for people coming into the building to kind of see this wonderful portrait. It makes you think that, hey, this used to be swampland and it's been filled in. This is where Fanny used to hunt and gather and she would walk and, and she, would, she would practice her ceremonies. And here she is today sitting in this big building watching and ensuring that the Aboriginal story here on Noongar country is never forgotten. Records about Fanny Balbuck are not centralised. The State Library of Western Australia is not the only cultural institution to have details relating to Fanny Balbuck's life. The State Records Office holds court documents featuring her name and her original mark, an X, at Royal Perth Hospital where she died. Fanny Balbuck's name is listed amongst the admissions. And at the South Australian Library, Fanny Balbuck extensively informs Daisy Bates' interviews and records. And perhaps the most extraordinary of all, a gut-wrenching letter to her son, Joe Donnelly, written during her final years at Mumba Welshpool Native Reserve on the outskirts of Perth and held by the National Library of Australia. Scribed by Daisy Bates on Balbuck's behalf and read by elder and extended family member, Marie Taylor. 
mailbox letter to her son, half-caste Joe Donnelly. Dear son, I'm glad to know that you got my letter at last and to know you are alive and well. When will you come down to see me? I hope you will soon while I am alive. It won't be any good bringing me any money when I've gone to Kurunop. So the sooner you come to town or send your mother some money, the better. All our people are dead. Jimmy Shaw and Billy Shaw, your two uncles, are the last that have died. Traumatic times when he would have opened his mother's letter and read all of that information. The letter is a very powerful letter of a person's story at a certain time in their life. Now, I think I've given you all the news and I am glad you got my letter and hope this will reach you too and that it won't take you long to send me down some money. You won't be able to send me some for Christmas, I suppose. However, I'm sure you won't forget your old mother and will send me something as often as you can. With much love to you, my poor son, and goodbye for the present. Your affectionate mother, Fanny Baalbeck. It really touched me, not only from a a physical experience, but also a very spiritual experience. And I think that when you read a letter like that, um, she proudly acknowledges that he's from a white man. So back then she wasn't ashamed of it. In some places, when Aboriginals and non-Aboriginals got married, they, they were treated with disrespect. And, and that was sad when you saw that. There are plans for a Fanny Bulbuck Uriel statue at Government House. In 2021, Fanny Bulbuck was inducted into the WA Women's Hall of Fame on International Women's Day. And plans are underway for an augmented reality, as writer-director Kelly Cross explains. Yeah, so together with our little team, um, with Pink Pepper and Periscope, um, them guys there, we are putting together a little project about Fanny and it's going to be an augmented reality project. So it's really bringing a new futuristic perspective to an ancient kind of woman's story. So we're delving into what it was like for her watching Perth change before her eyes when it was first settled by the ghost mob that we are now calling the ghost mob. So obviously that's the English mob that came here and decided to live here. And um, so we're just hoping to introduce a new audience to a very important woman, to um, the Noongar people here, especially in Perth, because Perth City was her country and it was where she was born and raised and where she would have grabbed her food to eat, like that was her supermarket, where the Perth train station is now, you know? So 
we're learning how Perth was for the Noongar people, the Wajak people back then. And um, hopefully we get to teach a lot of people about a very important story. There's been much greater attention to the significance of Fanny Baalbuck in, in recent years. And I think that's it's kind of part of revisionist history. It's largely people really discovering the story of Fanny Baalbuck and recognising, finding that there are these records that, that are evidence of her life and the sort of fragments and snapshots that help to create a picture of who she was as a person. So a lot of people know about Jaegen, but they don't know about his niece, which was Fanny, and the, the way she resisted these people coming in and taking over her country, basically. She did it in a way that was cheeky and probably troublemaking for the people that was trying to live here, I guess, but she always knew where she was coming from and why and she could see it all disappearing before her eyes this country that she grew up on so I think it's very important that we understand whose country we are on right now. My name is Kelly Cross, I'm a Baladong Noongar, Malgana Yamaji and Wajala woman from Perth and I'm a writer and director. This was Fanny's country, and, and she was a Britia. And, and I think that's the thing that I would like to see come out of her hidden story is the fact that she was a warrior woman for her Noongar people. So the State Library does really prioritise collecting Aboriginal materials. We work with communities around the state and we want to make sure that communities you know, can feel that the State Library is a place where their materials can be protected and preserved for the long term. So it's really relationship based, but really what the State Library is very actively engaged in more is the digital return of collections to communities. Rather than necessarily collecting and capturing their history, while that is important, it's also very important to make sure that communities know about the collections that we hold that relate to their own history. Thanks for listening to WA Stories. The next podcast, also produced by Gina Pickering, explores representation of the LGBTQ community in our cultural institutions.